time for On Balance with President On Balance. President Joe Biden ran on the promise of eliminating student loans, but was never able to come through. Leland will take a look at the controversy. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, live from the University of Alabama campus in Tuscaloosa. We'll be back in New York tomorrow night. Have a good night. Tonight, knockout. The fifth guy who doesn't have the guts to show up and stand here. We should not nominate somebody he won't who's, answer. Who's, who's almost 80 years old. Okay. He's afraid to answer. News Nation's debate ends with a flurry of punches. You have a corruption problem. And a sucker puncher, too. But you do this at every debate. I'll just, I'll you exactly say what no, I'll, don't I'll, interrupt I'll me. I didn't interrupt you. At least they debated. The two frontrunners won't. Can Mr. Biden promise to protect democracy while ignoring one of America's most honored democratic traditions? You're not worth being on the same platform. I'll tell as my you wife. something. Too little, too late. Call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. The president of UPenn tries to save her job. If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. A new video exposes the stark double standard on American college campuses that might send some college presidents packing. Using the wrong pronouns for a person constitutes abuse. Open border versus open checkbook. The Republicans are playing chicken with our national security. Mr. Biden wants to protect Ukraine's border, but refuses a Republican deal to include protection of our southern border. Who will blink first? You're playing a game of doing the least amount possible. And ambushed. A young girl viciously attacked on her way to class. School principals can't protect our kids. Is it policy or punishment? Welcome to the Ferris Show on television back in D.C. First tonight, democracy and respect for it. It's increasingly clear the two frontrunners for their respective party nominations have little respect for the things we value most. For example, both now say they may skip not only the primary debates, but the general election debates too. Here's a Biden campaign official yesterday. At the end of the day, we're focused on building a campaign. Uh, we'll have those conversations. Uh, but right now, uh, our focus is on making sure we continue to build out a campaign and infrastructure that's going to be able to be competitive in 2024. Hmm. All right. He went on to point out the GOP frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, has skipped the primary debates, which is true. But let's talk about Mr. Biden for just a second, because forget the primary debates. Biden and the DNC have rigged the entire primary process to ensure that no one can challenge Biden in the primary. There will be no debates, not because there are not candidates, but because Mr. Biden has just shut it down. Trump, of course, hid last night. The remaining Republican candidates came out swinging. They took some lumps. They threw some punches, but they showed up. And we'll get to the winners and losers in just a minute. But reasonable people can agree. Anybody who doesn't show up doesn't show up because they feel they have something to lose or they think they're just better than the system. And personal political gain is to them more important than showing up, than showing up for all of us, for every voter to have a chance to listen, to speak, and to judge. It's more important, their own personal political gain is more important than participating in that idea that we all believe in as Americans. And few things speak to American democracy like public debate, 
from the Lincoln-Douglas debate to Carter versus Reagan and Clinton versus Trump. For the song, man, please turn Mr. Reagan's mic off. And then... Is this on? Mr. Green, did you turn on my phone? You asked for me if you would... I am paying for this microphone, Mr. Green. You're not worth being on the same platform. I'll tell as my you something. Wife. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. All right. So now we have a sitting president who constantly talks about defending democracy and a former president who both, who both ignore our most important traditions, what makes us different as Americans. George Wills here, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, also News Nation contributor. I think I speak for a lot of Americans when I say, can't we do better than these two? <laughs> It'd be easy, though. Look, you and I both share some of the same views and in, in love of our country. Um, to say, hey, well, you've got an old guy and a guy who's old at heart. Uh, they just don't get how uh, politics has changed and it, things don't mean the same anymore and on and on. Well, Mr. Trump has a well-advertised, and he's rather proud of, his disregard of certain norms that are part of our politics. Mr. Biden has perhaps a, a physical, mental reason for wanting to avoid the possible mistakes on a hugely lit stage with 80 million people watching. We didn't have debates until the invention of broadcasting, but even after the invention of radio and then television, there were no presidential debates until 1960. Then, 16 years passed before the second. Since then, it has been firmly established as part of the norms of presidential politics. So if these fellows think they can escape that, they're very much mistaken. There's been so much made, and I think rightfully so, about Donald Trump skipping the Republican primary debates. Nothing made of Joe Biden skipping the Democrat uh, process, really, in, in trying to shut down any type of challenges against him. What's going to happen? And let's just take the, the most probable outcome of the primaries that you've got a Biden versus Trump rematch. How is it going to be looked at? Will there be media pressure for the two of them debate? How would the media put pressure on Donald Trump if they don't also put pressure on Joe Biden? They'll put them on both. They'll say that uh, both men are short-circuiting for their reasons. Each has reasons, but each reasons are disreputable because they're do whatever they're doing, they're hiding from the American people. Now, whether or not this debates with these formats test real presidential skills, that's an argument for another day. You say, you say that, though, but you think about those moments, and I know you laughed at a couple of them, especially Reagan, uh, you know, I paid for this microphone. Um, but then you think about some of the past. Uh, Reagan uh, talking about his age, how quickly he was able to respond, um, and then the famous, uh, you know, Jack Kennedy. Take a listen. I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit, for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Yeah, it wasn't uncalled for. He was the one who made the, Quayle was the one who made the reference. This would be the question. You say whether debates are a test of the required skills to be president. 
Why is it that these moments, if they're not tests, endure so long? Why is it that we trace back elections turning on debates if they're not a test? Because in some ways they do turn on them. Uh, Jimmy Carter uh, and Gerald Ford stood there frozen when the microphones went out. Both men didn't seem to have grace in handling the moment. In that, in one of his debates, Ford said that he would not concede that Eastern Europe and Poland were dominated by the Soviet Union. We don't know what he was trying to say, but but the the Polish people didn't 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 appreciate that. I'm going to give you the last 20 seconds. Was there a clear winner last night other than Donald Trump? Everyone loved Chris Christie, but people love Chris Christie for saying things that have driven his approval among Republicans down to 25 percent. Uh, if I, I only think, he had ran in 2012. <laughs> DeSantis had a good night. Uh, he was vigorous and all, and uh, I think Nikki Haley is still trying to figure out how to live as the front runner when everyone's piling on. Yeah. Well, we will now pick up with Ron DeSantis. Uh, good to see you, sir. Thank you. you, as always. Few things make less sense than taking out a student loan for a quarter-million-dollar job that pays a fraction of that. For example, the famed Ph.D. in gender studies. In the end... U.S. taxpayers foot the bill, not the newly minted Ph.D., nor the university that sold them that quarter-million-dollar Ph.D. in gender studies. Last night, Ron DeSantis proposed a way to stop it. I don't support having a truck driver having to pay a student loan for someone that got a degree in gender study. These student loans are going to be backed by the universities because they need to have an incentive to produce gainful employment for people. In other words, the schools themselves take the risk of the loans. If that Ph.D. in basket-weaving art history never makes enough money to pay the loan back, well, then the school eats the loan, not the hardworking majority of Americans without a college degree. Kind of seems fair that way. Trish Reagan is here. Trish Reagan's here. Former Goldman Sachs analyst, one of America's great business journalists. Trish, it is good to see you. Thank you. Good to um, see you. are a big Ron DeSantis fan, and now you're going to tell me why this did, that won't work. I kind of like the idea. Um, <laughs> not that it won't work, just that it's a whole lot more complex. And, you know, look, I, I credit DeSantis with offering something, right? Because nobody's talking about these things, first of all. And we've got to find a solution because he's positively right. Truck drivers should not be paying for someone's PhD in gender studies. Enough already. But really, this goes back to, Leland, the 1960s. Alice Rivlin, who I met a a number of times, she worked with Lyndon Johnson to come up with some kind of program where they could offer these opportunities to kids who otherwise couldn't afford them, right? And they, and they tried many different things. They thought, well, maybe, maybe we have the banks securitize these. But then it was a problem because then, you know, the banks were uh, on the hook or maybe the banks were just trying to make too much money off of it. They went back and forth. Eventually, they decided on the model that you see today, which, by the way, Alice Rivlin herself, before she died, former vice chair at the, at the Fed, she was at the CBO, all this. Uh, she did say, we unleashed a monster, And you could say that again. It was actually Nixon who took her plan and put it in after Johnson as the blueprint. And it has just turned into a disaster. I mean, basically, they've given these kids blank checks. 
go buy whatever you want, right? Like if somebody gives you a blank check to buy a house, like you don't think that that's going to cause the price of the house to go up, oh, like yeah. all the houses to go up. And the schools themselves have no incentive, right, to rein in costs because it's free money and we can't have free money. So I like what he's saying in essence, but I also just worry, and this is funny coming from me, but I do worry that you want some diversity in the student body in the, the subjects that they study, right? So you don't want everybody no, 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 being it's an about, economics it's or business point. major, an engineering major. Yeah. We need a lot of them, but you, you need the musicians, you need the artists, you need the yeah. philosophers Fair too. Point. So you've got to come up with some kind of construct. And I look at Europe, Europe right? Like, I mean, Europe's a heck of a deal. Oh, hold on, like, hold on. I, hey, I, hey, we, should, I want to get you, get, let me get to Europe in a second. For school because get, it's get, basically free. Get, Right. No. And look, I, I did not expect you to go uh, extolling the virtues of music majors. But hey, um, I that's was, why we by had the you way, on a because you major surprised. at one point. I, so, I, uh, I, I know that's why I said it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, but I, you think about these universities. Why not make the universities do it? Right. Uh, the Harvard Endowment, fifty billion dollars. That's a higher GDP than countries of Jordan, Tunisia, and Libya. Princeton, thirty-five billion dollar endowment, higher than GDP of El Salvador, Honduras, and Cambodia. Okay, all of those endowments throw off billions of dollars a year in investment, which, by the way, is tax free. Contributing to the endowments are tax free. So in other words, we, the taxpayers, do underwrite the universities still in that way. Why not put the universities on the hook and say, look, if you want all these tax breaks, then you've got to fund the music majors and everybody else. I think that that is a fair idea if we put those requirements around them. In other words, they should have some skin in the game. You want to make sure that, and that's maybe where we get in there and we have some influence so that we don't wind up with just a full school, school of all business and marketing majors, et cetera. I think that we need to rehaul this entire system. I'm just going to say that. So I appreciate what he's saying. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's one part of the solution. Hmm. Finding a way for schools to have some more skin in the game. Also, finding a way to contain these costs because, again, you can go to the University of Bologna in Italy, okay, the oldest university around, really, and it, that's their claim to fame. It's a very good school, and it's going to cost you some 2 k a year, even as an American. So what's going on that you can go to school for $2,000 a year? And by the way, they have a bunch of programs in mm. English, too, interestingly enough. Why is it so cheap there? And it's not just taxpayers subsidizing it. They have re they've reined in the cost. So you don't have the fancy cafeterias and the gymnasiums and the, and the spas. And you don't have the, the, the bloated administration with presidents yeah, of universities Trish, gotta, making insane amounts go. of money. I mean, there's a lot of waste. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, no kidding. Uh, but here, I want to sum this sum, segment up this way. You have given hope that music majors, too, can make a difference in the world. Successful careers are possible. It's good to see you. It's been too long. We'll talk before Christmas, all right? Indeed. All good right, to see you. coming up next. Let's make a deal or not why Republicans and Democrats would rather fight amongst themselves rather than secure the southern border and maybe even help Ukraine along the way. Plus... These videos no longer shock us, but they should. Why violent attacks in our schools might not be kids' faults anymore. And thus, kids can't solve the problem alone.
News Nation tonight. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is taking your phone calls live on Cuomo. Let's get after it. It's your chance to ask the independent presidential candidate why he thinks he's best for the job. Plus, how his campaign could shake up the 2024 election. My plan is to win, and I don't have a plan B. Don't miss Cuomo tonight, 8, 7 central, only on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. For everyone from players to parents, football offers unlimited growth with even more to learn. Visit futureforfootball.com to get ahead of the game. Find out where to play, what equipment to use, and get the latest from leagues around the country, including pro tips and parental info from the experts. These resources make it easier than ever to create your plan and make your play. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh, making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. Substance use disorder and addiction is so isolating. And so as a black woman in recovery, hope must be loud. It grows louder when you ask for help and you're vulnerable. It is the thread that lets you know that no matter what happens, you will be okay. When we learn the power of hope, recovery is possible. Find out how at startwithhope.com. Brought to you by the National Council for Mental Wellbeing, Shatterproof, and the Ad Council. This is Nick Smith. Get my podcast in the mix at newsnationnow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. When you use bounce dryer sheets and your clothes look amazing, it's the sheet. Less static in your life? Yeah, it's the sheet. Smelling fresher than ever? It's the sheet. Oh, so soft fabric? Ooh la la. It's the sheet. Less wrinkles on your clothes? You know it's the sheet. Bounce dryer sheets. More freshness, more softness. Less static, less wrinkles. It's the sheet. Ma, is this how you feed a hamster? Uh, I think so. Is my homework right? Hmm, I think so. Is, uh, this milk still good? Uh, I think so. When it comes to parenting, sometimes it's okay to think you know. But when it's something as important as your child's car seat, don't just think. No. Double check if your child is in the right seat for their age and size. It'll help protect them in a car crash. Don't just think. No. By visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Want to catch some catchphrases? Oh, yes, Master. Jeepers, jeepers, jeepers. Here's Johnny. You won't be able to get them out of your head. Up your nose with a rubber hose. She can kick that quiet. Oh, my stars. And that's a good thing. God will get you for that. Catch classic catchphrases all day long on Antenna TV. Say good night, George. Good night. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. 
For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Explain why I helped Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel and did nothing to secure our own border. I will help all of our allies, but we've got to help ourselves first. Again, you don't need to change the law for this to stop. You need the president to use the tools available and change his policies. That was Lindsey Graham this afternoon responding to President Biden's demand for more money to protect Ukraine's border against Russian aggression. In other words, bipartisan agreement here in D.C. on border security. But they can't agree on which border to secure. But it should be an easy trade, right? Not exactly. In the Wall Street Journal, they wrote an editorial, Joe Biden's Ukraine emergency. Mr. Biden campaigned as a pragmatist who would cut bipartisan deals. Well, here we are. Ukraine and Israel are political emergencies, and the commander in chief has to do what it takes to get a deal done. We explained on Tuesday night how Ukraine went from the moral issue of our time to President Biden's political nightmare. If you're asking taxpayers for that enormous amount of money, you have to answer some pretty basic questions. Will there be an end to it? What's the plan to achieve victory? Is there any evidence that that victory can be achieved? There aren't convincing answers to any of those questions. Not having answers to those questions is, is a problem. And that's why the Senate voted Wednesday to block $110 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, and U.S. allies in the Pacific. The vast majority of that went to Ukraine. Okay, it's a pretty simple deal that's being offered. Ukraine aid for real southern border security. Earlier today, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, John Kirby, claims, well, they share a sense of urgency on securing the southern border, but won't do anything unless it's paired with billions for Ukraine. And if you think the cost of supporting Ukraine is high now, just imagine how much higher it's going to be, not just in national treasure, but in American blood. With us now, associate research scholar, lecturer in politics, Princeton University, Lauren Wright. We hear all the time from voters how much they want compromise, how much they want two things, support Israel, support Ukraine, and, and close the southern border. Democrats want the southern border closed, and yet this deal eludes us. Why? Well, some Democrats want the southern border closed, but Biden is worried about this contingency of the extreme left that actually doesn't want it closed and wants to give illegal immigrants all types of resources. Americans are actually really mixed on this issue. They're not intolerant when it comes to the border. They're pro-immigration by and large. But the politics, as always, is the issue here. Republicans aren't being ideologically consistent, neither are Democrats. Okay, but fair, fair enough. But that's why you have leaders, right? To make deals and not everybody gets everything they want and they go back. Well, we, we should. should. In theory, that's how, that's how this is supposed to work, <laughs> yes. right? But you, you think about the sticking points here. Republicans border deal first, sharply restrict asylum and parole. Democrats, Ukraine, Israel border together. No border policy or limited border policy. Uh, DACA, meaning that dreamers get some kind of protection and some some asylum limits. Mm -hmm. How is this going to play out when we get towards Christmas and this is about to all completely fall apart? Who in the end has the leverage? Biden ultimately has to get very hands on with this if he wants it to happen with his buddies Schumer and Mitch McConnell, who he's been working with for years. That's, as you said in your intro, exactly what he campaigned on. 
his ability to moderate these types of discussions. But really, if Republicans would give, I believe in this particular case, they would reveal all types of fractures and issues among Democrats on immigration, where opinion is much less consistent on what we should do, how open the border should be, whether there's asylum or not. And really, for Republicans, the tough thing is, negotiating support for Israel, but no support for Ukraine. That's yeah, a really, no. really tough sell, even for a leader. Right. And look, Ukraine funding has become very controversial. It went from even Republicans falling all over themselves to support Ukraine to now it being this political right. third, third rail. Yep. But at the same time, if they got real, real concessions on border security, that would be a real win. At some level, and this is Machiavellian to me, but being in Washington makes you cynical, how much is this both sides saying, if we don't get everything, it's not worth compromising because then we can blame the other guys? It, it's probably 100 percent what's happening. I really believe that because we're in a political season. They want to point fingers and shame on them because these are international emergencies. Right. Three of them, as you mentioned, many different countries involved, no. existential crises for many different populations and shame on them for not getting it done. They say I, it's I would, important. Evidently, it's not. Yeah, well, and evidently uh, there's a fourth emergency, which is the southern border. Seventy, what, 70 plus percent of Americans agree on that. Yep. Thank you. It's good to see you as see always. You. Appreciate it. Tuesday morning, outside a school in Maryland, and this story repeats itself over and over and over again across the country. A young girl's life changed forever. For what? For a video of her beating to go viral among the student body. It's senseless. But all over the country, almost daily, sometimes it's captured on video, sometimes it's not. What you're about to see is a common occurrence. Yo, go, go! Beatings have become sport in America's schools. Note passed around a form of entertainment. Now everything is recorded, so it's put on TikTok. It used to be that parents across the country sent their children into school expecting them to learn and grow. Now they send them hoping they aren't bullied online or beaten in person. We were shot to the principal of the Maryland school where the beating occurred, didn't hear back. After another incident at the school earlier this year, the principal told concerned parents, and we were quoting, we have trained diversity, equity, and inclusion liaisons who are meeting with identified students to hold restorative conferences and provide support and mentoring to those in need. Restorative conferences. Who doesn't feel better after restorative conferences? Jaron Smith is with us. Former Deputy Assistant to President Trump. It's good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. How did we get here? Well, there's a number of different things that have happened over the years. Uh, one, when you're thinking about some of the children's parents um, that are committing some of these crimes, um, many households are broken. Um, we've become even more broken uh, since the pandemic um, when you had children having to learn at home. Um, there's a lot of issues um, happening in the school system where you're not holding children accountable that do bad things. Um, and so it incentivizes um, more bad behavior. Um, and as a result, uh, you see um, this type of uh, reactions in the schools when there's no accountability at home and no accountabilities in school. Um, then you have things that are out of control. All right, so you're painting a picture, right? There's no accountability for street criminals, right? So these kids are getting a bad example at home because their parents are out looting or doing other bad things or dealing drugs. There's no accountability there. Therefore, their kids see no accountability. Therefore, the kids go to school and, and act in the way 
their parents do. A big problem with crime in D.C., I know you you and I have talked about that. You've talked yes. about that in, in the past. Mayor Bowser, um, who was the woman who shut down D.C. for Black Lives Matter, painted Black Lives Matter Plaza uh, in front of the White House, she now says it's time to reverse course. Take a listen. We can't stop holding criminals accountable. We can't stop police from policing. We can't defund the police. We can't keep our court system shut down. We can't stop supervising kids. We can't divert them when they've committed a crime. We can't let children in the schools beat up teachers with no consequences. We gotta get our ecosystem back in track. Well, I'm not shocked that she's saying that now because there's a lot of pressure from parents because in all of these communities, especially underserved communities, it's a small percentage of individuals that are doing all the crime. Um, I've lived in one of those communities here in Washington, D.C., but when the crime got bad, I had to move my family to Maryland. Um, But a lot of individuals don't have that opportunity to move. And I think that um, she has to also take accountability herself um, for a campaign that when the protests happened, there were very violent crimes that happened throughout the city. And um, most of the folks on the left never took accountability to that violent crime and held those individuals accountable. Many of them um, got off after um, those protests, and it opened up a whole world of people who thought they can get away with looting um, and certain violent crimes. You pair that at the same time with um, defunding the police, them being um, demoralized and uh, creating rules or laws that doesn't allow them to um, to do their job has created a powder keg here in Washington, Mm D.C. So you need more than just uh, accountability. You also need resources to law enforcement. Well, and you need more than the air tags the police in D.C. are handing out to stop carjackings. That's exactly right. (laughs) Good to see you. Thank you very much. much. All right. Coming up next. A donor threatens to pull his $100 million gift unless the University of Pennsylvania's president resigns. Soon we'll see if America's institutions of higher learning put a price tag on progressive values. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. All right. On this day in history, December 7th, 1941, that day's faded from our memories, the meaning of December 7th. I bet many of you, I actually didn't, didn't realize today is the 82nd anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. At the ceremonies in Hawaii today, just a handful of those that fought and lost friends that day are still around. They are all in their hundreds, some of them saying hello and honoring those that are still buried and turned for all time beneath the USS Arizona. And the problem with forgetting the past is we forget the lessons of the past. America in the 20s and 30s had turned its back on the world. Sounds familiar. When World War II began, the U.S. Army totaled just 190,000 active personnel. The U.S. Navy was smaller, 125,000 in its ranks. The gold standard of histories for the attack on Pearl Harbor is titled, At Dawn We Slept, and describes military and a nation, weary and tired from years of depression and neglect. We're weary. We're tired right now. Speaking of neglect, the military just grounded all of its V-22 Ospreys. They are the tilt rotor aircraft 
to take off like a helicopter and fly like a plane. They'd be quite useful in a conflict in the Pacific because they have longer range. Turns out they might have a major mechanical defect because they keep crashing. We can barely build one aircraft carrier in a decade. China can now build two in a year. I could go on and on. And sadly, every year, there are fewer of those Americans around to remind us of what can go wrong. Video out of Gaza right now shows large groups of Hamas fighters surrendering. You see them stripping down to their underwear because the Israeli military worries that they might have suicide bomb vests on as they surrender. It's happened before. It's quite the contrast, right, to October 7th, December 7th, October 7th, when Hamas stormed into Israel, raping and pillaging and slaughtering about 1,200 people and taking Israeli hostages. Hostages have been there now for two months. And here at home, there's been a similar victory for those who don't like terrorists or their sympathizers. A major donor to the University of Pennsylvania says he will revoke a $100 million gift to the school. He cited the school's president's testimony before Congress, which reasonable people can agree left a lot to be desired. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. Hmm. It went on like that for a while. The president of UPenn, like the president of Harvard, later attempted to clarify, but it very well might be too late. The Board of Trustees reportedly called an emergency meeting. Here's Pennsylvania's governor. It should not be hard to condemn genocide. Genocide against Jews, genocide against anyone else. And if that doesn't violate the policies of Penn, well, there's something wrong with the policies of Penn that the board needs to get on, or uh, there's a failure of leadership from the president or both. Hmm. The Democratic governor in Pennsylvania. Joining me now, Kenneth Marcus, former assistant secretary of education for civil rights, now the leader of the Brandeis Center. It's good to see you, sir. Appreciate it. Just like it's taken a couple of months for the tide to turn in the war against Hamas, um, are you seeing a tide turning now um, in this celebration of Hamas and celebration uh, and calling for genocide against Jews on college campuses? So I'm going to, first of all, thank you for having me here. I've got to tell you that we are continuing to receive just an extraordinary influx of pain from college campuses. It's not as if the hearing today has changed that. We are hearing from more and more students of continuing problems, harassment, sometimes violence uh, all around the country. However, there was a sense this week with the Education Committee hearing that the cavalry are here, uh, that we have support, that we have friends, and that the problems in higher education are finally being exposed so that the public can see just how bad it is at many colleges and universities and that there will be consequences uh, for those university leaders who fail to address these problems. Look, and the consequences seem to be very real, especially when you start talking about pulling $100 million donations and, and you start putting the president of these universities' careers on the line. I, I think what has been so striking to everybody, right, is is the differences uh, in terms of how hatred and bigotry and threats against Jews have been treated 
versus those same threats and that same kind of kind of feelings, even far, far, shall we say, milder feelings towards virtually any other group. Barry Weiss, uh, the Free Press, put out a, a really phenomenal video comparing and contrasting. Let's play that for you. Harvard told students in a mandatory training session that using the wrong pronouns for a person constitutes abuse. Sizeism and fat phobia, according to the session, are also attitudes that contribute to an environment that perpetuates violence. But when Harvard's president was asked by members of Congress this week in a hearing on campus anti-Semitism, if calling for the genocide of Jews constitutes bullying and harassment, here's what she said. It can be, depending on the context. All right, so you need context. I'm, I've always been troubled, I shouldn't say always, but for the past couple months, about just using this word anti-Semitism. And I think in the beginning, the discussion of anti-Semitism almost sounded like, well, you know, they don't, they're not allowed in certain fraternities or they're not allowed in certain clubs or whatever. And has it been important to change the terminology from anti-Semitism on college campuses to calling for genocide on college campuses? You know what? In some ways, it doesn't matter so much uh, what you call it, so long as we understand that right now for Jewish students on college campus, they're simply not treated the same as other groups. Mm-hmm. Jewish students over the last few years have been uh, excluded from book clubs, from survivor groups. They're told they're not wanted if they're Zionist, if they support the state of Israel as part of their own identity as Jews. Uh, They're not wanted there. But since October 7, the amount of anti-Jewish animosity on college campuses, at the same time we've been learning about the Hamas atrocities, has just gone through the roof. Now with this hearing, I think it's being uh, even more clear that what we're talking about is real violence and genocidal threats. Now we just put up uh, 86% of college students agree from the river to the sea Um, Interestingly enough, many didn't know which river or which sea. We'll get to that tomorrow. I just want to congratulate you on the work you're doing. Um, Don't often take sides on the program, but we do take a side when it comes to right and wrong. And people who are standing up for right um, deserve deserve credit and appreciation. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We invite you to sign up for War Notes. Gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. Go to wardotes.com and subscribe. It's free. The notes started as our internal email discussion about the most important events of the day. It's literally how we put the show together. You get to be a part of it and part of the discussion. You can respond to the email with your thoughts or join us on social media at Leland Vitter on Instagram or Twitter. That's warnotes.com and subscribe for free. Coming up next, President Biden refused to debate him and his poll numbers went up. Will new links to sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein Clip the wings of RFK's presidential campaign. Cuomo, next. You weren't ever on Jeffrey Epstein's jet, were you? Yeah, I was on Jeffrey Epstein's jet two times. I was on it uh, in 1993, and I was on it in, and I went to Florida with my wife and uh, two children to visit my mom over Easter. Um, my my wife had some kind of relationship with Glenn Maxwell, and they offered us a ride to Palm Beach. Hmm. So a representative of RFK in October told Newsweek that he'd only flown on an Epstein plane once, and then after the Waters interview Tuesday, 
the representative informed Newsweek that it had actually been twice. All right. So a little bit of a controversy there. Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein. Latest polls, though, show RFK Jr. favorable ahead of Trump and Biden in the election. 52 percent, 41, 51 percent, and Mr. Biden behind it, 46 percent. These are favorability ratings, not poll numbers. But still, in terms of being above water, Robert Kennedy is. Cuomo is talking to Robert Kennedy uh, in a few minutes for his show. He's down in Palm Beach. Uh, at one of Robert Kennedy's fundraisers. You're going to pull uh, Kennedy aside for the interview. This is my question. In a way, it seems like all of a sudden now, people are starting to look at Robert Kennedy. If you're hearing about who what plane he flew on in 1993, people are starting to take him seriously. Um, yes, and I promise you this, I'm doing more than pulling him aside. I didn't come from Alabama uh, to Palm Beach to just pull him aside. He's going to do most of the show with me, and we're going to take viewers' calls. Uh, because awesome. people want choices right now. Uh, that's what the resonance with the debate, you know, that's what everything we're doing tells us, right? And that's the whole premise of News Nation. People want choices, and they want the choices tested. We'll do it tonight. i got to tell you, if answering about being on Jeffrey Epstein's plane twice 20 years ago is the biggest problem that Bobby Kennedy has to deal with in terms of his election. He's in good shape because let me tell you, most of the Epstein conspiracy heads already like Bobby Kennedy Jr. because they believe in some other things uh, that he's given them food for thought on. So if he's answering these kinds of questions, he's in good shape. Tonight, he's going to have to deal with a lot more uh, than just what happened 30 years ago. Well, I know, and you're, you're at this fundraiser. You made a great point. Now that he's a third-party candidate, Biden wouldn't debate him. Went out on his own. He's got to figure out how to get on the ballot. That requires a lot of money. Biden's not debating anybody. And I also think that, look, you don't have to feel sorry for Bobby. That's not what this is about. But it is so expensive to get on these ballots. Yeah. You know, we wonder why there's so much money in the game. You need about 900,000, so it means you probably want to get like a million or more signatures. You can have a team of lawyers up your behind vetting every one of them to get on the ballots. It costs millions and millions of dollars just to be able to run. How's he gonna raise it yeah, Ross in Pro. living rooms like this? Yeah, well, looks like a couple of nice couches behind in you. Congratulations on the interview, great get. Uh, we'll be watching at the top of the hour. Coming up next, under attack on national television. Talking about the debate last night, our body language expert breaks down how the presidential hopefuls weathered the blows during News Nation's debate. Fourth debate, the fourth debate that you would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So shut up for a while. My name is Michael Houston, Navy veteran and VFW Post Service Officer. I'm encouraging all United States military veterans and active duty members to take advantage of the many benefits and privileges you've earned by serving our great country. Please reach out to a veteran service officer or your local VFW. You served your country. Now let your country serve you. For more information, call 800-827-1000 or visit Benefits.gov. Children are the greatest joy and our best hope for a better future. Friends, they are the future. But did you know that millions of kids are facing hunger every day? Food is not just food. It's energy, health, confidence, hope, and even love. Yes, love. Thank you! 
Learn more about how No Kid Hungry is helping end child hunger in America at HelpNoKidHungry.org. Thanks to the Xfinity 10G network, my little brother's friends won't leave our house. When I was their age, internet with basically no interruptions was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper. Forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Connell McShane, and this is America's source for engaging and unbiased news. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. Wounded Warrior Project helps post-9-11 veterans and their families realize what's possible with support and resources that bring warriors together and empower them to become stronger, both inside and out. It's possible to begin healing, to get the help you need, to find peace. And as each warrior's needs evolve, so do we, because these last 20 years are just the beginning. Learn more at woundedwarriorproject.org slash possible. For some children, a single surgery can turn an untreated cleft into a smile for life. But at Smile Train, we understand that most children need a little extra care. They need medical, dental, and emotional resources to grow healthy and strong, to express themselves clearly, and to navigate all of life's challenges so that their smiles light up the room as brightly as possible. Visit SmileTrain.org to learn how Smile Train is supporting the cleft community with lifelong smiles. A message from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. I came to Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous overweight and depressed. I was dieting, binging, stealing food, and lying about it for years. For help, call 781-932-6300 or visit foodaddicts.org. I knew I had a weight problem. I didn't know I was addicted to food. The FA program gave me a healthy body. I'm free from obsessing about my weight or food. Call FA 781-932-6300 or visit us on our website at foodaddicts.org. One thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. Hmm. 
Vivek Ramaswamy last night challenging Nikki Haley on foreign policy. At one point during the discussion, he said he was happy to get his three-year-old son to help Haley find Israel on a map. Body language expert Patty Wood with us for our favorite segment when it comes to political events. Uh, What's more important, uh, your body language when you're delivering a hit and landing a punch or when you're taking a punch? Actually, both are key indicators that we're looking for about um, just how strongly the person feels when they're speaking, so on point, and how they respond specifically in this case to attacks. All right, so break it down for us between these two. Well, what's actually terrifying, you're not seeing it, but he's pointing his finger at her, wagging the finger over and over again as he yells and gives her verbal insults. Even in isolation, the verbal insults would be strong, but specifically, he's doing this at a woman. And in my work on threat assessment and domestic violence, that's a red flag warning that that man wants to physically attack you. That combination of cues over and over again. Seems like a small thing, oh, it's just a speech. But even a few years ago, nobody in a debate pointed their finger because it's a symbolic weapon. It has a strong message. All right. And how, I wasn't happy to I, 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 be care, I want to be careful in terms of uh, not saying that there, there was no violence last night. So I want to be careful no, to make, they it, make the point that that didn't. Right. It was symbolic violence. It was certainly aggressive and he got more aggressive throughout the evening. What did you make of the way she accepted that? She's a politician. I mean, yes, a woman. But at the same time, you want to be the president of the United States. You want George Washington's job. Uh, if you can't take Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't know how you take on Putin. Well, she actually did a really good job. Uh, There was at one point where they all were attacking her for the first 12 minutes of the debates. And even under the pressure of those verbal assaults with a lot of yelling from several different men, candidates against her, she responded very lightly and did a really nice um, beauty pageant smile. But most um, honestly, her voice was actually lifted and soft hmm. that told me at a real primal level i can take it it was okay. interesting we, we we have we have we have that right and there's been a lot of neuropsychology oh, about awesome. dealing and responding to things with humor with humor uh, here's nikki haley talking about uh the attacks sot number three we know from her history, Nikki will cave to those big donors when it counts. The only person more fascist than the Biden regime now is Nikki Haley, who thinks the government should identify every one of those individuals with an ID. That is not freedom. That is fascism. And she should come nowhere near the levers of power, let alone the White House. I, I love all the attention, fellas. Thank you for that. Um, hey, look, great smile. That, that had to be planned. That had to be planned. Right. Well, she definitely got some great coaching. And again, it it brought to mind, I've judged beauty. Was it natural? Grace. I think she's been doing that for a long time. And I will tell you, as a woman in in power, she's been doing that smile under attack for a long time. This is not the first time she's been able to use that. I'm fine with that smile. Yeah. Yeah, you could see as Vivek was was hit.